Praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome to the program today. I, I trust that everybody's feeling good today. Uh, it's pretty cold here, but uh, one thing I love about winter, and there's very few things I love about winter, but I have enjoyed this particular year uh, from about November of 2019 till now. We've been out taping in the snow, and it has been fun, I'll tell you. I have to admit, it's been beautiful. And uh, so we need to get the activity in the winter months as well as the rest of the year. So praise the Lord for it. And uh, we are going to be studying today in Revelation chapter 16. And uh, I hope that this has been a blessing to you. We are on the 16th chapter. There's just a few chapters left. Uh, and then we will conclude this particular teaching series on the book of Revelation. So basically what we have in chapter 16, we have the seven vials, we have the three unclean spirits. And primarily this deals with the seven vials or bowls, some translation says, of wrath, which will be poured out upon the kingdom of the Antichrist during the last half of the Great Tribulation period. Uh, the vials, the pouring out of the vials, will not begin until after the seals and the trumpet judgments are completed. So uh, if you want to go back and listen to those programs again, or if you've been taking notes, we, to we told you about the seals, and we told you then the trumpets. Now we are at the vials, or the bowls of wrath. Uh, these will be the last great outpourings of judgment, and then comes the Battle of Armageddon. This is not just simply an historical event. Uh, the language used to describe these events confirms that they are literal. So these things are literally going to happen. Just like the plagues of Egypt in the book of Exodus, when God poured out those plagues upon Israel's enemies, that was real. That was literal. So too shall these uh, seven vials be literal and be real. This will bring an end to the judgments of men who have persecuted Israel throughout the ages. This is the finale. This is the culmination point. The length of these vials is not exactly known, but judging from the length uh, of the ones in Egypt, if we can use that as a pattern, uh, then these probably won't be very long. So once again, we're going to uh, start by reading a section of Scripture, commenting on it a little bit, bringing out some nuggets, uh, I encourage all of you to study the book of Revelation from various different, uh, you know, authors, teachers, whatever the case might be. Get different viewpoints, get different uh, thoughts, as long as it lines up with orthodox theology and doctrine of the church, you're fine. There's room for disagreement on some of these things, and uh, there's, there's other things that there's room for no disagreement. There's no room at all for disagreement on the essentials. But on some of these interpretations, people will have varying opinions. One is not necessarily better than the other. It just depends on how you see uh, this and how the Holy Spirit is working in you. One thing we know for sure, <clears throat> these things will come to pass in the not-too-distant future, we believe. The next great event, I believe, on the prophetic horizon of time will be the rapture of the church. And when the rapture takes place, it kicks all of the rest of this book into operation. And Jesus said in Matthew 24 that when these things begin to happen, they will happen rapidly. They will happen quickly. And they will happen with an exceeding force behind them. So I, I personally believe that most people in those days, thank God we the church won't be here, but I think that most people who are here during those days, after just not too very long, will most likely understand what is happening. They will most likely understand that this is the wrath of God. And uh, there's other verses that we won't look at today, but it sort of indicates that their hearts are hardened and become hardened and they, don't, they get to a point where they don't really care about the wrath of God. They don't care about judgment. They're just going to do what they want to do, and they're angry. They're angry at God. They're angry at Jesus Christ. They're angry at the Holy Spirit. They're angry at the Bible. They're angry at the church. We already see that happening in our world today. 
So how much closer must these events be? Revelation 16, verses 1 and 2. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. So here we see anybody who has the mark of the beast, the Antichrist mark, or any other identifying factor of their worship unto him, will, will be stricken by this plague of boils. That is literally what these are. Uh, this is parallel to the plague of boils that came upon the Egyptians. And you can read that in Exodus chapter 9, verses 8 through 12. Scripture tells us quite clearly here that the plague will only come upon those people, those men, those women, whatever, who have the mark of the beast and who worship him. That's very plain from the language of the text. Since that is stated so clearly regarding this plague, it would also be true of the others as they are all sent to save the same purpose. The plagues I'm talking about will all affect the followers of the Antichrist. Now you think of that. These are the ones who think they have found the guy that's going to help them build a new world and take over it. These are the ones who are persecuting God's children on the earth in those days, the church in those days, after the rapture, people will get saved. These are the guys that put all their trust in the Antichrist, and all of a sudden, these plagues begin to hit them. The first one is boils, and that's the one that we're looking at right now. When this vial is poured out, it will be divine judgment. Boils will break out immediately on the followers of the Antichrist. It will be both a torturous and humiliating malady and will afflict people in all levels of society. I mean, everyone is going to have these boils that worships the beast. Boils cause severe pain. And it can get so bad that people who are stricken with severe boils, and certainly this would qualify, will be unable to make an erect posture. You think of it, making it difficult even to bow down to the Antichrist. Their posture will literally force them to lick the dust of the earth. That's been prophesied, you know. They will pursue every available avenue to try and find the remedy for these grievous, painful sores and the corruption that comes from them. Infection. Very painful. The word used for sore is used only here in Revelation 16.11 and also in Luke 16.21. The word noisome and grievous are from Greek words which mean depraved and bad in nature, full of labors and pains in working mischief. Listen to that. These diseases on their bodies will be devious to work mischief on them. You think of that for just a moment. As this disease literally takes on a mind of its own and that mind is set on destruction. That's what the Greek word means. Depraved, bad in nature, full of labors and pains in working mischief. These words are used to show the extreme pain and corruption of the sores and of the ulcers. It will be an obvious sign of God's displeasure to their worship of the image and a direct punishment for them not serving the true God. So the first plague we see is boils. This comes out of the first vial. Now, in, in Revelation 16 verse 3, the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. When the second angel pours out his vial upon the sea, it becomes as the blood of a dead man. 
It, it has to be noted here that reference is made to the sea, and this is an actual sea, I believe, at the time, the Mediterranean Sea, which basically surrounds the kingdom of the Antichrist at that time. This would not include necessarily all of the oceans. The statement that this vial will be as the blood of a dead man, the creatures of the sea will die in the changed and corrupted waters. You can't, the, the fish in the sea cannot breathe blood. They do derive oxygen out of the water, but they cannot out of the, out of the blood that fills the sea. This is a tremendous scene when, when literally the sea becomes blood. All sea life dies. When you turn on the faucet, blood comes out. There's nothing to drink. It's pure speculation to say, but for those who have stored water, maybe they have you know, a few cases of water bottles in their basement, perhaps that water will turn to blood also. God can do it. But this is the second vial of God's wrath against those who are worshiping the beast. This will cause an unbearable odor, making it impossible for human life to be near these waters. Ships will be immovable as if ice-bound in heavily clogged areas. The conditions will be foul. It'll be mortally foul. Many people will die. This will contribute greatly to disease and starvation for those who might be stranded on the sea at that time. Previously, in, um, when the second trumpet was blown, the sea was affected, and one-third of the ships were destroyed. But here, the devastation will be so much greater than all the ships will be destroyed. You see what I'm saying? The, the ships were destroyed before, but some made it, or they built new ones. But here, not only will the, all the ships be destroyed, but the death and corruption that this judgment brings will be almost unbearable. Uh, the rivers will also turn to blood in Revelation chapter 16, verses 4 through 7. The third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, that's an interesting phrase, the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shall be, because thou hast judged thusly, or thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and of prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another angel out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. Now, if you, if you listen to that for just a moment, this is the third judgment. First the sea became blood, now the rivers become blood. But if you think about this for a moment, what it says in that text, verbatim, plain English, anybody can understand it from any version. I never understood how that people say, well, I just can't understand the King James Version of the Bible. Well, the Bible itself tells us to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You just, you just need a good Bible dictionary. And you can understand the King James Bible. Now, I'm not against the other versions. I use them. We're teaching this series from the King James, the original or old King James. And sometimes I'll preach from the New King James or the ESV or whatever. But my point is, it's, it's not difficult to understand this. And what it's saying clearly to us is that for all of these years, all of these centuries, all of these millennia, God's people have been persecuted. Prophets have been murdered. Christians have been murdered, persecuted, hated, reviled, blasphemed the name of our God. And the angel said it suits them that they should have to drink blood because they've drank the blood of the saints. You think of that. Today it looks like sometimes, you know, that the church is being defeated. It looks like our ideals are being trampled and it feels like we are most hated of all men. And that's true in this world. It really, really is. It's true. But there will come a day. There will come a day when those who mock God, 
when those who curse Jesus Christ, when those who kill Christians because they follow the Lamb, there will come a day when they will be judged. They wanted blood so bad that here in this latter portion of the tribulation period, God will give them blood. God will give them what they wanted. A bloodbath. You think of what I'm saying. You think of the horror. You, you think of the, how can a human being become so horrific? How can a, a person born in the image of God turn into a mass murderer? We've asked ourselves these questions from the beginning of time. And here, God puts a stop to it. So the third vial is a replication of the first plague on Egypt in Exodus 7, verses 19 through 24. Remember I told you these correlate somewhat with those plagues of deliverance back then. This, where we are in the book of Revelation, when Jesus returns, the, the second coming, the Armageddon coming with His saints, this will be the final deliverance. Hallelujah. The final deliverance from corruption and bondage and God's people will be liberated forever and forever. After the sea has been affected and polluted, not only will the rivers be turned to blood, but the fountains of water and the drinking places of both men and beast will likewise be unfit for human use. The appalling part of this plague is that they will have only bloody water to drink. All the rivers of Italy, of Turkey, of Syria, of Greece, and other parts of the Antichrist domain will be running with blood. The men suffering this particular vial are those who have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets and unmercifully tortured God's people on earth. They will be reaping what they have sown. They have shed blood, and now blood is everywhere. Plagues like this will be so phenomenal that they will get the attention of people from all over the world. The consequences, beloved, will be staggering. And that brings us to the fourth vial in Revelation 16, verses 8 and 9. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. Now before I deal with that, I want to say this. I've been in the Christian world a long time, nearly 40 years in ministry now. That 2021 will be 40 years. And in that 40 years, I've heard just about every kind of thing you can imagine come out of a Christian's mouth. And most of it, of course, has been very good and very right and very true from the Bible, but there are some misconceptions also. And one of them is... A, a, a true misconception. And it will come out in this great tribulation, and oh, graphically so it will come out, is that, well, if, if we'll just pray, and if God gives so-and-so enough trouble, they will turn to Jesus. Now, I understand there are many passages in the Word of God that teach us that trouble can bring us closer to God. It absolutely can happen. But also... The opposite can happen, as we see in the passage that we just read. Sometimes people can get angry with God. Sometimes they will blaspheme God. Sometimes they will walk away forever. So don't ever pray that God will send trouble to this one or trouble to that one or, or do this or that. Pray that God will perform His will in their life. And at the same, Now, some people will still get angry. But here's what happens when God is working out His will in a person's life. At the same time, He's offering that believer the grace to walk through the will. And see, if, if we try to pray things on to people, don't we have a bad spirit at that point? Don't, aren't we wrong for wishing trouble on anyone? I wish blessing on everyone. You know what I'm saying? But I, the, my prayer is this, God, perform your will in my sister's life, my brother's life, my friend's life. Perform your will 
in the church, uh, your churches, Lord, and these people that I'm ministering to or whatever the case might be. Perform your will in their life and bless them, Lord. And hey, if you have to walk through a valley of adversity and you come out on the other side and you're walking closer with Jesus, ain't that a blessing? Amen, that's a blessing. But here we see quite clearly these people, they're being judged by God. They don't look at anything as a blessing from God. They hate God. They're serving the Antichrist in this place. When the fourth trumpet was sounded, we go back to the trumpets in chapter 8, verse 12, the fourth trumpet sounded, one-third of the sun, moon, and stars were stricken with darkness. Under the fourth vial, the heat of the sun here will be so intense that men will actually be scorched by it, causing excruciating pain and anguish. God will be recognized as the source, and those tormented will not turn to God. They will not repent of their sins. They will blaspheme Him. In spite of the misery and the difficulties, those afflicted will be so humiliated and demeaned that they will not repent. Just as in the plagues of Egypt resulted... Um, these plagues will affect the followers of the Antichrist. They would rather die than serve God. The Greek word for repent means to change one's mind, carrying with it the idea of turning from evil to good and becoming morally better. It's the same word, Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Acts chapter 3. 19. It's not simply a matter of forsaking sin, but it's a change, a change and a transformation of one's attitude regarding sin. So let me stop and say that again. These men were unwilling to do that. And so they received insufferable judgment and they blasphemed God. They were un, unwilling to repent. It's, it's not enough. You know, I remember there was a day in my life when I smoked cigarettes. And I'll be honest with you, back in those days, I enjoyed my smoke. I had to not only stop smoking, but I had to call smoking what God calls it, a defilement of the body. Now that's repentance. When you repent of your sins, you don't just stop sinning. You think about the sin, what God thinks about the sin. That's repentance. Um, repentance is not some formula that we foment and then we receive the grace of God and keep on sinning is what I'm trying to tell you. When we do our series on uh, Romans 6, 7, and 8, we're going to look into that greatly. But repentance is absolutely necessary. Paul preached repentance from sin and faith toward Jesus Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul taught. So this hyper-grace movement that's going on there uh, in the world today that's talking about how you can do anything you want and it really doesn't matter because we're under grace now, we're all under grace and it doesn't matter what we do, that's a lie. Okay? The, the correct New Testament method, according to the Apostle Paul and according to Jesus Christ, and Paul was handpicked by Jesus Christ, even though they never met while Jesus was alive. But they sure met on the road to Damascus. Amen? Um, it's repentance of sin and faith toward God. And, and that faith toward God, Jesus said, no man comes to the Father except by me. Read John 14, 6. So these people want no part of Jesus Christ. They want nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And so they undergo these tremendous judgments. Instead of Christ, they have chosen the Antichrist to worship. And that's another lesson that we'll get to uh, at another time. So now we come to Revelation chapter 16, verses 10 and 11. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast. Wow. It's about to get hot where Antichrist sits. And his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. The fifth vial actually corresponds to the ninth Egyptian plague. And you can find that in Exodus chapter 10, 
verses 21 and 22. These plagues, although similar to those that took place in Egypt, these plagues here in the second part of the Great Tribulation period are much more intense. This vial was poured out upon the seat of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness. So this change will be of such extreme proportion from a, a bright fiery heat that had just happened to impenetrable darkness. We would, could use the phrase black as midnight and that would not even describe this. Uh, the fresh horror will overwhelm the followers of the Antichrist. You, you, they were just scorched by this heat. And for those that were able to find some little relief in the midst of that, all of a sudden an impenetrable darkness descends upon the planet. And they begin to be tormented. The demon spirits that they have allowed to inhabit them and the, that they have worshipped will begin to turn upon them and torment them in this moment, plus the fear. And Satan always plays on fear. Listen to me, Satan will always take advantage of a person's fear. But here, it's so bad they begin to gnaw their tongues because of the pain that they're in. We see here, God amply rewarding the beast and his followers for tormenting his people for all these millennia and for their unmerciful attitude when they laughed at the cries and the pains of the Christians who they set on fire, who they beheaded, who they put a gun to their head and blew their brains out and they laughed and they mocked. This is why this is happening. It's not known how long these vials or plagues will last, but it is implied here that men will still have their sores and ulcers at this time from the very first vial. We're on the fifth vial now, and they still have all the scars, and the sores are still open in many cases, not so much scars, but the sores are still open from the very first vial. So we see somewhat of a quick progression here, I believe. <clears throat> Even though... They continue to suffer the pains and the effects of the experiences from the other vials. They will persistently rebel and refuse to repent. Rebel and refuse to repent. The plagues are extremely severe punishment for their relentless rebellion against God and for their evil deeds. And we come to Revelation chapter 16 verse 12 where the Euphrates River is dried up. And uh, before I read that, when we see the Euphrates, that runs for a tremendously long way. If you look that up on a Bible map, and you will see that that is the primary part of the world that will be receiving this intenseness. The most intense will be in that part of the world surrounding the Mediterranean. It will be the epicenter. It will be the ground zero. It will affect other parts of the world as well, greatly so. But that part of the world will be completely decimated as these things begin to take place. And the sixth angel poured out his vial, <clears throat> verse 12, upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now who are these kings of the east? It's thought by many, if not most, that this will incorporate China, uh, Japan, Vietnam, uh, Hong Kong, uh, Thailand, etc. and so forth. Southeast Asia, China, all of the big players of the East. And if you, if you understand that going into this, in our world today, let's put it this way, in our world today, <clears throat> the Eastern Oriental is where a lot of the false religions come from. They originated. Uh, and, and I could name them Buddhism, Hinduism, Shintoism, Taoism, all of these kind of isms. They, many of them, if not most of them, got their start in the East. The kings of the East might be prepared. The sixth vial contains the drying up of the great river Euphrates and will take place right after, right at, right at. So we're at sixth vial. So as you think sixth vial, think toward the end of the tribulation. This is this sixth vial 
I, I know we're only in chapter 16 and there's more chapters to go, but see a lot of it's been parenthetical. This is the timeline of these vials and toward the end of the tribulation is the sixth vial just prior to the battle of Armageddon. In fact, they are, get, they are gathering demon spirits. We'll get to it in a little while. will be loosed from their chains. There are some demons... You'd have to do a whole study on demons and demonology here. Maybe someday we'll do one. But right now there are demons that roam the earth seeking someone to inhabit. They will inhabit people. They will inhabit animals. They can inhabit homes. Whatever the case might be. There are also some angels right now that are chained in Tartarus. There are angels that are chained under the river Euphrates. Very shortly, we're going to see that they will be loosed and they're gathering these people together, the nations of the world, to the battle of Armageddon. And it's coming up very, very close from this point of the sixth vial. This vial will greatly aid those who come from the east. The drying up of a river like this is not in itself disastrous, but a disaster is developing at this time. A great and monstrous army, the greatest the world has ever seen, will be coming to the Battle of Armageddon to fight against Jesus Christ. Its warriors will be slaughtered by the millions, and for this reason it is called the Judgment. It is a literal battle. It's not figurative, it's not hypothetical, it's literal. The event doesn't symbolize the drying up of the Turkish Empire, as some have taught in many years gone by. This is literal. The river Euphrates, mentioned 21 times in the Bible, always refers to the actual river in that part of the world. And it will be dried up. The drying up of the river prepares the way for the kings of the east to come to the resolute and preordained wrath of God. You see, if God wants to pour out His judgment, He will get people there who He wants to judge. He will cause them to go. God is sovereign. God is providential. And when God says something's going to come to pass, you can say, well, I'm not going to do it, but God will find a way to get you there. How many of you have ever seen that? This is kind of a poor example. Have you ever seen that? series on TV called Lost. How that that plane went down on that island. Listen, buddy, if God wants you at the Battle of Armageddon, He can cause your plane to go down there. He can cause your boat to sail there. If God wanted to, He could transport you there in a millisecond. But who, who is appointed to be there will be there. And this is appointed to happen. I think that's the greater point. Not necessarily the who, because anybody, even at this time, ladies and gentlemen, you think of the great love of our God and the great mercy of God, even at this time, anybody who wants to repent can repent, or else it wouldn't keep mentioning that they repented not of their sins, they repented not of their rebellion. It wouldn't keep saying that if there was no possibility. So even right up until that very end, God is giving mankind space to repent. God is giving humanity an opportunity to receive Christ as their Savior, even to this very point. Praise God. It will be a resolute and preordained wrath of God upon the nations at Armageddon. God will take vengeance against those who had a part in persecuting His people. And here's what I want you to know before we go on to the next uh, topic. Persecuting of His people. What is that? And, and I've somewhat clumsily described through this talk, through this teaching time, uh, the way Christians have been persecuted throughout the ages. But it's not only talking about the church, it's also talking about Israel. In fact, the entire Great Tribulation period is really the effort, because the Bible says all Israel shall be saved. And I don't have time to go through all the verses of Scripture, but it's a fascinating study. What does it mean by all Israel? It means one-third. 
Because the Bible tells us in other places that two-thirds of Israel will be destroyed and killed during this time. And there will come forth a remnant. So you have Israel, a remnant. And you have the church, a remnant. Because there will be non-Jews that will be saved during this time. And incidentally, every Jew, every Israeli who comes to God during the Great Tribulation period must come through the Lord Jesus Christ just like any other nationality. There are not two ways of salvation. Some people today imply that there are, but there are not. I assure you, Jesus was standing there that day in John chapter 14, verse 6. He was talking to a Jewish audience and He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by Me. And so it's the same way for both groups of God's persecuted people. And here's a, here's a final uh, cap I'm going to put on that thought. Anytime you truly serve God, Anytime you truly want the will of God, anytime you truly follow Christ, you will be persecuted in some fashion to some degree or another. There will be people who will refuse to call you on the phone because they don't want to hear about Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be people that will see you coming. They'll walk the other way because they don't want to hear about the gospel. It's just a part and package of following the true Christ. Not that we're obnoxious or whatever the case might be. We say what we say in love. But God calls us to care about the souls of men. And so we tell people the good news. And that's a mild form of persecution all the way right up until the torture and the hell that you see countries of the world right now putting Christians through. So you have these two groups of people <clears throat> that have been persecuted through the ages, Israel and the church. And God is pouring out His wrath upon the nations of the world who have conducted this debauchery against His people. The whole tribulation is to bring that remnant of Israel to Jesus Christ. You have to remember, and I told you this before, I'll, I'll mention it briefly and then go on. <clears throat> Right now, Daniel's 69th week has taken place and the clock has stopped and God is not focusing on Israel. See, the 70 weeks of Daniel, which is really uh, 77s of years, there's one left. There's one week left. Seven, one space of seven years left. The rapture of the church starts that time clock. Right now in the church age, God is focused on the whole world, Jew and Gentile. But when that rapture takes place, the time clock starts again for week 70, 77s, so there's seven years, and, and maybe sometime we'll do just a study on that and show you how, it, how we know that that's 77s of years. It has nothing to do with days, it's years. Because the Great Tribulation is seven years, and that's the last week. That's Daniel's last week. It, it, that time clock is stopped right now because we're in the church age. But when the rapture takes place, the time clock starts again. Week 70. This is it, man. This is the final week. And God shifts His focus from, from the church who He has just raptured back to Israel. And so God deals with Israel pretty exclusively throughout the Great Tribulation period. Yes, there will be Gentiles that will get saved. Yes, there will be people of all nationalities that will come to Christ. Most of them will pay with their lives. But the whole of the Tribulation is basically God bringing out that remnant of Jews and judging the nations of the world who have persecuted his name, blasphemed his name, and persecuted his people in the earth. And so that brings us to Revelation 16, verses 13 through 16. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. 
Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. These passages constitute a bit of a parenthetical expression in the timeline. There's been about seven of them. It's inserted between the sixth and seventh vial. And it's fulfilled during this time frame. These three unclean spirits shaped like frogs will come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the beast and false prophet. They are the demon spirits personified who will go forth working miracles and inspiring nations. This will actually be utilized by the beast and the false prophet to inspire people to blaspheme and rebel against the great God Almighty of heaven. They will mobilize armies, and those armies will march in all directions and in all countries to prevent the establishment of the kingdom of Christ upon the earth. These lying spirits working miracles through false prophets cause nations to cooperate with the Antichrist at Armageddon. Demonic spirits and demonic forces, ladies and gentlemen, are very, very real indeed. Even in this day and age, there's considerable awareness of them on the part of many Christians. Individuals who have the gift of discerning of spirits have seen spiritual forces manifest themselves in various forms. Spirits seen and discerned in this way, they might not be able to be felt with the hands, but a strong awareness of their influence and power is very, very real. We have sensed demon power many times in our work in ministry. And it's very real, though not tangible to the touch. I've never seen a demonic spirit that I am aware of, although I may have one time, and I'll leave that alone. But my point is, during this time on planet Earth, the way it's worded in the Greek, it seems to imply that demon spirits will, at times, manifest themselves in the physical and they will be seen with the physical eyes of the inhabitants of the earth during the Great Tribulation period. And they will definitely inhabit the Antichrist. They will inhabit the false prophet. There are certain spirits that are already assigned to that function. They will inhabit the false prophets who go around performing these lying miracles and lying wonders in that time to convince people to turn against Jesus Christ. Many times these will manifest themselves. Now in this vision, John saw the spirits coming out of the dragon and the two beasts. The dragon, of course, Satan. Satan, the two beasts, Antichrist, false prophet. It symbolizes the unholy trinity. Three leaders against Christ at His coming. So I just told you the dragon represents the devil. The beasts symbolize two earthly men who will be possessed with legions of demons. The Antichrist will be possessed with legions of demons. The false prophet will be possessed with legions of demons. What is a legion? It could be thousands. You remember this, this, the teaching in the Word of God of the maniac of Gadara. He was possessed by a legion. The demon actually spoke. When, when, what is your name? We are legion. And Christ cast out the demons just as Christ will cast out the demons and throw them eternally into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone here. So, demons will go forth from these three persons by word of command. Their purpose will be to go unto the kings of the earth and to gather them to battle. This passage in Revelation 16, verses 13 through 16, indicates the role that other nations will have in the affairs of the last day fulfillment of prophecy regarding the Antichrist and Israel. And we don't exactly know uh, from our look at prophecy. There are some ideas of what will happen to America. Where will America be? Who will America support? Really, it's speculative at this point. But we would pray, of course, that America will continue to stand with Israel, to, to stand with God, to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. We would pray that. That's a constant point of intercession for every true Christian in this nation, I believe. That America would stay with God. 
but we shall see. <clears throat> the nations will be gathered together at Armageddon. The battle will be fought, not in Europe, not in the United States. It will be fought in Israel, the Valley of Megiddo, or the Valley of Megiddon, or Armageddon. is located about 15 miles southeast of uh, modern-day Haifa, and this becomes the center of the strife of the Battle of Armageddon. Though obviously the conflict will cover an even larger area. So, you know, you've seen those teachings from Israel. Um, and you see the, the Valley of Megiddo. It will actually be a much larger area of battle. I can give you an example this way. I go to Virginia quite often. Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania... Uh, certain places in Tennessee, certain places in Mississippi, whatever, where the great battlefields of the Revolution and the Civil War took place. Uh, we've been to a revolutionary battlefield in Vermont, several places throughout my life, but I'm thinking of this one in particular in Virginia near Fredericksburg, uh, actually about six miles outside of Fredericksburg is a place called Chancellorsville. And about another six miles from Chancellorsville is a battlefield called the Wilderness. There were three battles, and actually there were four, because one was hit twice, during that particular tenure of the Civil War. And so let's go first with the Battle of Fredericksburg. During the Battle of Fredericksburg, now remember, six miles away is Chancellorsville, 12 miles away is the wilderness. They were fighting all over that area during the battle that was called Fredericksburg. Then came the Battle of Chancellorsville. Six miles from Fredericksburg, six miles from the wilderness. There was fighting in all three places during what they called the Battle of Chancellorsville. Same thing with the wilderness. Battles in the other two places as well. Men were everywhere. That's what it's going to be in Armageddon. They're going to be fighting Armageddon possibly uh, in the streets of many, 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 many nations of the world that time as people are choosing what side or, or however this plays out. It has been postulated that there will be people who will not receive the Antichrist uh, merely for economic reasons or because they're criminally minded and they want to control their own. I don't know any of that. That is all speculation. But what we do know, at, in the end, it boils down to Jesus Christ versus Antichrist. At the end of the day, folks, that's where we are. And as I told you before, the Antichrist is a man. Antichrist is also a spirit. And the spirit of Antichrist, John said in his three epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, that that spirit was even then in the world at the time of the early church. The spirit of Antichrist has always been in the world. The man Antichrist is yet to come. And we're going to do an entire teaching on that in the future. So uh, we'll leave that there for now. <clears throat> the battle will be fought in Israel. The battle will also be fought in the surrounding countries. The battle could be fought even in America at one degree or another. But when Jesus Christ comes back, He's coming back to the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. Jesus isn't, and I'll get into this more in the future, He's not coming to the White House in Washington, D.C., and He's not going to Paris, France. Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem and touch down on the Mount of Olivet, and it will split that mountain in two. Hallelujah. And we're going to get into that in the near future. So, Christ will come as a thief, and sudden destruction will come upon the world of the ungodly. And you can look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, and 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. This is a blessing for those who are faithful to Christ and are watching for Him to come, Revelation 16, 15. This brings us to the seventh vial. And I'm going through this really, really fast. I understand that in the time that we have, we can't... Uh, we can't go deep into every aspect of these. That's why we're going to do more teaching series on particular topics that we've seen in our reading of the book of Revelation together. You and me, my partners, my friends, my listeners. I wanted to read the book 
together because there's a great blessing promised by Jesus to those who read this book. And also, uh, we're outlining it and we're throwing out a few high points and nuggets and some Greek words and different things like that. It's a very fast-moving study and don't, don't be concerned, we will be back in the future taking a topical look at some of this stuff as well. So, Revelation 16, verses 17 through 21, and this is where the book closes off. This is the seventh vial. It's, it signifies a great earthquake and hail that will fall upon the earth. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done! Can you imagine? Glory, the Holy Spirit's all over me right now. Can you imagine what it's going to be like for those people there that day? Most of them cursing and blaspheming, filled with hate and rage, and all of a sudden from the heavens, from the throne of God, God is going to say, It is done! All the sin of the ages, I've had enough. All of the war-torn, poverty-ridden nations of the world that has seen billions of people die through disease and famine and pestilence and war. I've had enough. All of those who shake their fist in my face and curse my name after I have provided a Redeemer for them, I've had enough. And God will say it is done and there were voices and thunders and lightnings and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth so mighty an earthquake and so great and the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell now see this is worldwide and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of His wrath. And every island fled away and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail. For the plague thereof was exceeding great. I mean, we're talking about possibly... 100 pound hail falling on men. God is finished. God has concluded. And here's the thing about that I want you to hear. There's many things we could say, but we are accustomed in our life to the patience the forbearance and the long-suffering of God. But there will come an hour when He's used the very last bit of His patience and His long-suffering and His forbearance. Oh, neighbor, won't you receive Jesus Christ today as your Lord and Savior? Do you really want to see this? And I, Some people say, you know, that... That's just make-believe. That's just some science fiction fairy tale. No, sir. No, sir. Everything this Bible has predicted as it refers to Jesus Christ coming the first time as a babe in Bethlehem to be the Savior of the world on the cross, all of it came to pass. Every bit of it. I have no reason to not believe this book. This Bible has proven itself and it's been tried and it's been proven over and over and over and over and over again. Archaeology has proved it. Other things have bore out its veracity. This day will come. Oh, won't you get into the ark of God's safety right now? That ark is Jesus. Won't you be washed in the blood of Christ for the cleansing of your sin? Turn from your sin and Put your faith in Jesus. Stay on the right side of this thing. So this seventh vial involves a great earthquake and hail. The conditions of this vial are actually going to be continued in Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 through 24. 
Chapter 17, which we will get to next, is a parenthetical section on mystical Babylon, and we'll talk about that next time. Under the seventh vial that we've just read, the wrath of God will be completed because Christ is coming to the earth. This will conclude the 70th week of Daniel and will begin the day of the Lord. When this vial was poured into the air by the seventh angel, John heard that great voice that we talked about out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. Apparently, that is God speaking. And the reference is to the completion of God's wrath during the seventh vial. The great earthquake will cause the great city, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, it's also called that in 11 verse 8. To be divided into three parts. Great Babylon as well as many other large cities will be destroyed. Now that tells us that quite probably ancient Babylon will either be rebuilt or some major city in that area will take upon itself the name of Babylon in honor of ancient Babylon. Many Bible scholars feel that Babylon will actually be rebuilt. Saddam Hussein tried to rebuild it and got quite a bit of it done. But it is not what it used to be, one of the seven wonders of the world. But many large cities will be destroyed by this at this time during the tribulation. Great changes will take place upon the face of the earth with mountains and islands literally being moved by these thunders, lightnings, earthquakes, and, and this great last outpouring of wrath. The last plague will be extremely catastrophic. Great hail that will fall, some of which will weigh from 50 to a little more than 100 pounds each. Men will blaspheme God. Some things, unfortunately, for humanity. For humanity, never change. Men will blaspheme God. This is similar to the seventh Egyptian plague, but on a much larger scale. And you can look at uh, Exodus chapter 9, verses 13 through 35, and also Joshua chapter 10, verse 11. God's wrath, which began to be poured out under the sixth seal in the first part of the week, is completed in this seventh vial. Okay? And I am not at this time going to go back through the, the, the happenings of each seal, each trumpet, each vial. But it is a progression. And the first of the seals basically set the world stage for the Antichrist coming to power, for the false prophet being appointed, for all the war, the pestilence, the famine, death and hell following. That's where judgment started to be poured out. And you had all of the seals. Then you had all the trumpets. And here we conclude the final vial. Now when we come back, we're going to pick up in uh, chapter 17, which is uh, the judgment of mystery Babylon or mystical Babylon. And then in chapter 18, we see literal Babylon. And so many times you'll hear me use the different terminology to indicate which Babylon I'm talking about. There is a mystical Babylon and there is a literal Babylon. And this is a little bit detailed, so it might take us a few sessions to get through those two chapters. Again, thanks for being with us today. I appreciate all of you who tune in to listen to the teaching programs, whatever topic we're talking about. You know, you can't just eat one kind of food. As a Christian, you have to study the entirety of the Word of God. You have to study faith. You have to study the power of the blood. You have to study the joy of the Lord. You have to study the Holy Spirit. You have to study creation. All of these things, you study also Bible prophecy. It's, it's just a part of the whole. It's a very important part. And uh, I really appreciate those of you who have made the Old Time Power a regular part of your listening. We've had hundreds to do so since we started the podcast. And I'm very, very grateful. So that does it for Revelation 16. I pray that you all have a great week in the Lord next week. Uh, incidentally, let me mention uh, as we're concluding, uh, we run these Revelation studies on a three-week schedule, meaning there are two weeks of Revelations, 
studies for two Fridays in a row. And then on the third Friday is a message on another topic. Because as I said, we, we can't just specialize in one thing. We need the Word of God, man. Hallelujah. We need to learn to pray right. We need, we need to learn everything the Bible's got to tell us. So, but we are running Revelation on a three-week schedule. Right now, as I'm recording chapter 16, uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3 are up there in two weeks. In other words, chapter 1 was one track. Chapters 2 and 3 was the second track. There are occasions where I have doubled chapters. I think I've done that three times so far. And we're coming into the next section of Revelation. It's going to be a little more detailed. We're going to have to play this one by ear. Uh, I have never taught this book like this before. I have taught Bible prophecy basically topically uh, for most of my ministry life. And so I'm going verse by verse. What we are doing is reading the book of Revelation together. You and me. My friends, my partners, my supporters, my listeners. It's available for anyone to study with us. We're reading it together. We're outlining it. And we're giving the high points. That is all this uh, particular series on Revelation will do. Later, I will be coming back and doing topical studies uh, derived from the book of Revelation. Also the book of Daniel. And uh, we're considering doing a verse-by-verse -verse on Daniel, and uh, we will let you know when we begin that. So, uh, praise God, praise the Lord, give Him all the praise and glory for your life, and everything He's put within you in Jesus' name. This is Brother Paxton saying, go with God. He will go with you. Bless you.